What a race, ladies and gents. Pierre Gasly for Alpha Tauri has taken his debut Grand Prix victory in Formula One after a, a stunning, completely bonkers, completely unknown of a race at Monza today. Um, hello, welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast, where we're going to attempt to dissect and uh, take apart that absolutely ridiculous event that just happened this afternoon on Sunday in Italy. Um, but we probably will be a little bit sidetracked by the whole what the hell of it all. I'm Freddie Coates and I am here with Adam Dickinson and Nigel Chu. How are you guys doing? You, you suitably speechless? Hopefully not. We've got to record a podcast. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Adam. Well, a bit, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of, so I was reporting on it for lastlap.co.uk. Check out my report on there. But, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it was just a crazy race, even, even from the start as well. It wasn't like it kind of, there was just excitement in the middle. It was like exciting all the way through. Oh, it was just, it was so good. And I kind of feel a bit fatigued now, having to make sense of it first of all, report and now this. But yeah, <laughs> what, what a brilliant race. It's kind of best race in a long, long time. One of the all-time classics that you kind of, you know, put up with the uh, Johnny Herbert win or, you know, better than Vettel win for Torosso, um, I think. And, yeah, it's just, yeah, what a race. Yeah, incredible, incredible result. Anyone who thought, you know, that top three straw sites and Gasly, they need to go buy a lottery ticket tonight <laughs> if, if, if they thought that was going to happen. But it always seems to happen in F1, doesn't it? We get boring races everyone saying oh it's the worst season ever or whatever but then yeah race like this I thought, I thought about Austria last year when Mercedes I think got one two in the first eight races but then you know Verstappen won with a few laps to go in a classic race there Spain 2016 as well uh, that came from nowhere after a slightly dull start to the season a couple of hungry races over, over the year as well so yeah it was just an incredible result for, for Alpha Tauri and, and the, for F1, just just a great day. It's like we said last time, or in the pre in the preview for this Grand Prix, that if you take out um, Verstappen, Bottas, Hamilton, you know you'll have a you'd have a great race, and mm-hmm. that's actually what happened, which is you know it's just incredible. Yeah, well, and so the the process for that was Bottas took himself out of contention by not being able to pass people after a bad start, which we can get Even into in the best later car. about is that, is that because of the Mercedes in traffic or is that because of Bottas in traffic? And I think based on Lewis Hamilton in traffic, we can assume it's Bottas in traffic. Um, and then Lewis Hamilton, after comfortably building up his gap, gently saving the engine, we even have radio messages about how to short shift in terms of whether it would wear the engine, whether it would save the tyres. The tyres were not of concern. The engine wear was of concern. So they're saying, how about we don't short shift, which is by about lap 10, and you're thinking about that, you know, it's in the bag, surely. And then a slight unfortunate retirement for Kevin Magnussen. He wasn't having the best of races. He had pitted off to lap one anyway. And he, he tried to bring it out of the way. He put it with a Marshall post, but got in the way of the pit lane. So... 
Driver of the day. Kevin Magnussen. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> no, no competition. He tried to park it up well, and all oh, hell broke loose. Lewis Hamilton um, did the when the safety there was a safety car called when they realised they couldn't move the car, which is what we're going to come back to presumably with Pierre, um, and Mercedes and Hamilton did the logical option, which was to pit to get a free pit stop, but. For the first time I can remember this happening, the pit lane was closed. Lewis Hamilton didn't see the um, LED boards with a big, big red cross on, which is still pretty hard to see from the onboard camera, really. It just looked like a safety car sign, I thought, which is fair. But right regulation came to the pit lane, as did Antonio Giovinazzi. Both were given 10-second stock-go penalties, and it spelt dismay for a Mercedes victory. What do you guys think about the, the penalties then? Do you, think, do you think Hamilton could have avoided it? Do you think it's weird? Do you think it's a bit strange to shut the pit lane based on where Magnussen was? Nigel, you go. Uh, team's fault, 100%. McLaren, Red Bull, Racing Point, Renault, everyone else apart from Divinazzi with Alpha, they, they got it right. And Hamilton had more than enough time to, you know, for the team to make a decision. So I, I blame the team more than Hamilton because I, I, I agree, I think the sign was difficult to see. 10 seconds stop and go, I think that's fair as well because back in the days when they used to close the pit lane anyway, in 2007, 8, about that era, uh, massive got the scroll finding in Canada, I think, one year, and someone else did as well for uh, going into the pits under the safety car when the pit lane was closed. So, yeah, I think the penalty was definitely fair. It, was, it just caught, caught them out, unfortunately, and it, it was one of those things. I just uh, yeah, just uh, yeah, fair, fair penalty. That's my answer. <laughs> Adam, anything to add? Um, not really. I mean, it, it's kind of open and shut case. You know, in terms of did he did he break the rule? It's it's one that you can objectively say the pit lane was closed at the point he entered it. Um, yeah, and I think it it it's tough. I mean, for him, you know how. Like you said, we, we can't think of the last time that he, you know, that there's been a pit lane closed. So it won't, you know, for him, it just won't have been in his mind, I imagine. No. Um, and I can kind of, I guess with, with Mercedes, it's a bit tough being the first because you kind of damned, damned if you do, damned if you don't, maybe, mm. you know. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly when the, the lane closed compared to when they radioed him and where. Hamilton went in, um, but you know it's just kind of it's one of those where it I don't know it, it's what you do you know probably ten times out of ten or you know ninety nine times out of a hundred it's, it's what you do in that situation at that stage of the race and I don't know kind of whether it was just um, you know then get communicated yeah. to yeah. the strategist or whatever or to Bono but yeah it's. It's their fault. I don't know how harshly I've come down on them for it, but, you know, it's, it's their fault. And well, it, it cost them the win, didn't it? So, uh, it's just, it was a small error with a massive, con- mm. massive consequence, really. But, yeah, it was Is just it? one of those things. About the like time. If they do pit, oh, I was just going to say, if, if they don't pit there and everyone else pits... Everyone else couldn't then... pit, though, could they? 
Oh yeah, but I mean, you know, oh, in, in an right, ordinary yeah. circumstance. Just, yeah, yeah, in an ordinary circumstance, if they if they don't pit, everyone else yeah. does, and you know, they they can lose the race from there. Yeah. So that's kind of what I mean. But yeah, it's just yeah, follow, yeah, kind of following on from that. At the kind of time where the safety car was called, though, I I didn't see any notification that said the pit lane was closed. I might have missed it, but I, we definitely saw either. one that said pit lane open later on. Um, but you would think. That's a question about team about direction from the FIA and race control to the teams. Might be something a little bit that needs to be looked at. Something there because they definitely had it on the LED boards. There was no if if the team would if it was on the LED boards before Hamilton went into the parabolica, which it was. Surely it should be in Bottas in, in Bono's ear from James Vowles going, "Can't come into the pits. Can't come into the pits. Can't come into the pits." I know it's the norm, but he can't come in. So there should be a flash up on their on their on their pit wall, surely, which there yeah. presumably wasn't, unless they weren't looking. But Mercedes are not a team that's off the ball. Yeah, just, although go on, Adam. Oh, I was just going to say I've just watched the incident um, now from Hamilton's on board, and there's like a big LED screen over the top of the pit lane entry that's kind oh, of uh, advertising and stuff um, normally, and then like at the end of the race it'll say race winner and whatever. Um, but that actually said that it's got like the box, box, box graphic coming up on there as oh, he's no. coming in. So, so, yeah, that's, I mean, obviously it's not, you know, it will just be run whenever a car's coming in. From but, but, yeah, it's, um, yeah, that's not great. So, but yeah, sorry, Nigel, what were you going to say? Uh, what, what was I going to say? Yeah, it was a bit like Monaco 2015, wasn't it, when Hamilton pitted when he shouldn't have really lost uh, when uh, Mercedes yeah. made the mistake. So it was just another uh, miscommunication or pit, pit error. But, you know, science didn't, the McLaren guys didn't follow him in, so they knew what was going on. Just Mercedes got it wrong with Hamilton. And they must have realised quickly they made a mistake because obviously Bottas didn't pit as well. So, mm. yeah. At the time, I kind of thought it was advantage McLaren if it was an ordinary pit lane circumstance. Mm. You had two McLarens in second and third. I kind of thought, so we've seen, if you take it as a control, Bottas in traffic, he can't overtake. Even when he's getting close, he's got to pull out to cool the car. That's not Bottas, that's the car. So if that's similar perspective, presumably for Hamilton later on, if McLaren leave one car out, for instance, Norris or Sainz, based on whoever's on track, McLaren could, I thought, if, if, if Hamilton and one McLaren pit, and then it became McLaren no pit, Hamilton, McLaren, whichever order they chose to do it, two, three, then um, McLaren could then sort of either back up Hamilton in traffic when they get under it's a risky nah. strategy. <laughs> nah. I kind of thought it's advantage McLaren if Hamilton I'm, I'm can't pass. <laughs> no, not, I think I would. Oh, yeah, maybe yeah. not quite get past, but like at least get into a fight with Hamilton for the lead. It was McLaren had nothing to lose to go for the win there. I think more mm. even in an yeah, ordinary they, circumstance. They've got a double podium to lose. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. That's quite a lot. If it was a normal race, McLaren probably would have got a second and third, I reckon, or second and fourth. Mm. So, you know, I wouldn't compromise in one of the drivers to probably get two or three points just to help try and help the other. I think it would be a bit silly. And we well, saw it, saw it Silverstone, didn't we, when there was a safety car on lap 12, 13, everyone came into the pits no matter what. So it would have been the same today if, if the pit lane was open, I think. Fair. I did think they were going to do it when, when science didn't come into the pit lane. I thought for a second, yeah. hang on a second, why are they going with my bonkers strategy? <laughs> yeah, well, it was like, 
Well, I think I think firstly, like I don't think, like I can't see how that would work. I mean, like I, I see what you're saying, but I don't. I can't see, think of any situation yeah. where they kind of managed to get the win, even in that scenario. Yeah. See, I thought um, Mercedes did it in Monza a couple of years ago. They yeah. they pincered Raikkonen, I think it was, and then got I think a one-two. But then look at how Hamilton's come through the field. I mean, we'll discuss that yeah, later. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't, I don't, it was based on Bottas' crap, mm. crap um, traffic. But yeah, it was kind of weird. You know, it was like, oh, Sainz hasn't come in. That's weird. Oh, neither's Norris. Oh, neither. I mean, I forget. Was it Perez who was next yeah. or Ricardo? And it was like, oh, wow. What, like, why is why is no one pissing? And then obviously it came out. And we thought it was going to be kind of all on the McLaren pit stop because they've had trouble, quite a lot of trouble with their pit stops this year. So it seemed like it kind of that would be the big pressure moment of the Grand Prix for them. Um, and in the end, they kind of avoided it a bit. You know, they managed to get, get a clean set of stops. I think, was it Ricardo or Perez? There was someone who had a slow... Ricardo slow and Perez. They were both jumped right. by Bottas. Yeah. It, and Mercedes had a phenomenal pit stop on Bottas. So it did, yeah. Went a bit unnoticed, which is probably fair enough, given the rest of the race. Huh. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and so yeah, so we've spoken about the circumstances that led to it, but so Pierre Gasly had already pit by that point. He had been running in the top ten. He pit um, sort of around the time that Magnussen stopped. He was already into the pits. It seemed a pretty scheduled pit stop. It was pretty good. I mean, whether it was in anticipation or whether it was just going to their plan, um, came into the pits, put on um, hards, presumably. And then just came out. And then was, by the time the um, safety car came out, he was in a good position. By the time Charles Leclerc, um, after the first restart on that, on that lap, came off at the Parabolica after losing it sort of on the marbles, I think, just went straight into the, um, into the wall at the Parabolica. After that uh, red flag and everyone else had, after that safety car, everyone else pit, and then he went up the order. And then there was a red flag. So then he was up the order, having already pit, but then also able to go into fresh tyres. He was just up the order. And that yeah. worked out brilliantly for him. Well, yeah, if, if anyone's wondering about what happened with Alonso and PK and the infamous, uh, what do you call it? Intentional crash, crash gate. Thing. Crash gate, that's it. Yeah, that is exactly how Renault won the race that year because they told PK to crash. So I, I, Alonso came in, PK crash, the ones on benefits, just exactly like Gasly did today, because in those days they closed the pit lane entry, and that's what happened today. So that's exactly what we, what we saw. But I'm pretty sure there was no collaboration between yeah. Kevin Magnussen and Pierre yeah. Gasly. Probably worth, <laughs> probably worth <laughs> uh, hanging yeah, on. Just, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. What, what a drive from Gasly. Uh, but to I just, be, oh, no, yeah. sorry. <laughs> to, to be out in front, leading the race, yes, it was difficult to overtake but that's the first time he's been in that position in F1 and he kept a cool head he didn't make any mistakes he got a good very good start on the uh, restart standing start and he just held his own he, he was a bit lucky there wasn't one or two more laps because uh, mm. I think Sands might have had him or he might have collided and everyone would have gone mad uh, but yeah a fantastic drive and so well deserved after his house got robbed earlier this year, I think a few weeks ago in August, and he's had a fantastic season, and this is just 
topped it off really. Yeah, yeah. Um, all of Alpha Tauri, just their whole kind of setup and the way they manage races, I'm always, always really impressed with. And, you know, that's just, as you say, for Gasly, he's had kind of a, roll, a very roller coaster career in F1 so far. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, to get it here, um, what, 12 years on from when Vettel got his win for Toro Rosso yeah. here, kind of different circumstances then. Um, but yeah, he just, he did so well to hold on and, um, you know, yeah, science could have got him if there'd been a few more laps, but, you know, there wasn't, that's, that's how the race worked. It's brilliant from him. I mean, it depends when science would have attacked because he was in the 1.2, 1.6 sort of second margin for a long time. And then he just floored it with the ERS when he could at the end. I think even if there was a few more laps, um, arguably he might, he might have had one or two more attempts at a move by, but he would have only floored the ERS a bit later on anyway. So I think Pierre just drove fantastically when he did. Carlos drove fantastically when he needed to as well. If you look at where Norris finished, they were on the restart. They were side by side. Sainz was able to clear... Um, Raikkonen and Giovinazzi, before Giovinazzi even came in for his drive-through penalty, he stayed out to sort of back up a bit to help Raikkonen on their, their soft tyre gamble, which is fair enough for Alfa Romeo, probably talk about that in a bit. Um, Gasly, Science was then able to start his charge on um, Gasly. He probably, even if he got past Raikkonen a bit earlier, he probably could have got up a bit earlier to Gasly and put a bit of pressure on, but Gasly just nailed that restart where his rivals, such as Stroll, who was on the front row for that restart, was unable to. He just got a lot of wheel spin, he said, after the race and his podium interview this stroll. And Gasly was just able to control it and lead the majority of the laps of the race, frankly. 26 laps, I think, led for Gasly. Yeah, about half the race, wasn't it? So, yeah. Yeah, he's just phenomenal, really. And I, I, I disagree. I do think if there was one or two more laps, I do think he would have been overtaken, you know, I, I have to say. Or, or, like I said, he might have collided, which would have been heartbreaking. Oh, man. But <laughs> imagine that. Lance <laughs> uh, Stroll winning the Italian Grand Prix from Lando Norris and Valtteri Bottas lucking into third place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel, I, I feel like, in general, it's a bit of a moot point, though. It's like, if the race had been two laps shorter, then there wouldn't have been a contest. It being 26 laps shorter than Lewis would have won. It's like, you know, I think. <laughs> well, he, yeah. He, yeah. But, you know. I mean, he still it was a 10 second stop go at 26 laps. Yeah, but, yeah, well, <laughs> whatever. But, you know, I just. Gasly drove it pretty much to perfection, understood, undercame a lot of pressure at the end and did manage to hold on. And he was banging in good lap times. Like, mm. considering how. He was coasting. Based off qualifying and um the uh fb3 mainly um alpha tauri and kind of general in in general the honda power cars seem to be a bit um a disadvantage compared to mclaren and the um with that renault engine in you know mclaren kind of looked maybe even the second fastest team so to kind of yeah to be able to hold on that gap then you know it does say a lot about him in terms of pace and temperament. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, um, it, there was graphics that kept coming up showing Carlos Sainz closing in on Gasly and every lap he was fractionally getting closer and closer, just a little bit closer, a little bit closer. And then when he did get 
you know, when you got to a distance where it's like, oh, he's actually going to properly catch him with a good five laps to go. Gasly controlled it. He'd been controlling the gap. He then was able to keep him at arm's length all the way up until the end where he was able to have some last-ditch looks into, into the Retfilio chicane, into the Della Roger, and even Ascari had a look at, but Gasly was just able to break the toe nicely. He was far enough ahead for it not to be sketchy, I think, um, with the way he was breaking the toe, um, and was able just to just, just keep him behind and manage, manage that win. I mean, it was, a, it was a drive that you would expect to have been lights to flag pole victory, but it came from a driver who's never been in that position in Formula 1 before, as you said, Nigel. And I think, yeah, I don't think there's a single driver on that podium who you can really be unhappy with, apart from maybe Lance Stroll from his restart. Yeah, I think considering the car racing point you seem to have with the pace Perez showed over the weekend, I think Stroll should be disappointed. He didn't make the most of it. You know, that was that could be his one chance to, to win a race in F1. It could be Sykes' one chance as well, but uh, yeah, I think Stroll will be a tad disappointed. Yes, it was a podium result, but you'd think the racing point uh, at Monza would have been slightly better than the Alphatarian up there with the McLaren and Stroll did have track position as well. So, yeah, a bit, bit disappointed, I'd say, from Stroll, considering the position he was in. But, yeah, I thought, I thought Sainz... Uh, Job equally as well as Gazi. I haven't really touched on sides and yeah, to, to close in and get get away from Norris when they were together at the restart, it was phenomenal. And Sites was on it all, all weekend. <laughs> I don't know how much there is to be disappointed about from Stroll, like other it's than Grand Prix window, isn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah, but like you know, it, there's there's not like one moment like where you think, oh, yeah, if he just didn't. That right, like he ultimately the restart. He was slower. Ultimately, he was slower though than the was, than the he, two in front. He was of only him. he was only two and a bit seconds at the the flag off off um of uh, uh signs. So if he um that restart, he could have nearly controlled. three. Yeah, nearly three. That's very small. That's fractional in terms. If that of that was Perez. I think Perez would have. Had a really good chance of winning. I feel. I can't help but feel. I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like with, with Stroll, there's not other than being a faster all-round racing driver. There's not too much. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't feel like if I was him, I'd just feel happy that I think... at the podium. And you know, science. Science is clearly kind of beating. She might never get this chance again. I don't. I think. That, I think that's how I. A lot of drivers well. don't get the chance to get podium in the first place, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot don't get the chance to take the win, and if you miss out, then you know. Yeah, mm, I, you, I just I think it's both strong. The points are both strong. It's you've got a podium that's in Formula One. That's amazing. Enjoy it, and yeah, that's fair enough. But then it's you were in a net lead, knowing Hamilton was going to have to take a ten-second stop-go penalty. You're on the front row at the restart, at the standing restart, and you squandered that, and you're in third by the start of. Um, by the first corner on that lap. And that's then meaning that you could have controlled the, the race from there. The, the way that we've just praised Gasly and Sainz for being able to control their races fantastically through that, mm. he's just, 
he's not done that. I mean, he was, he was able to keep Norris at an arm's length once he got into a rhythm, but they were able to get into a, a rhythm straight away at that restart that, unfortunately, Stroll wasn't able to get into. And it's such a shame because if he had done that, he'd have deserved the win as much as we're saying Gasly and Sainz, if he got it, would have done as well, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He mm. should enjoy the podium. Well. It's a third place. It's the first podium for Racing Point this year. Fantastic. They should have probably got more late previous races, but we won't go into that. Um, and that's great. And he was actually, he was cracking a smile in the interviews. It's not like he was um, beating himself up massively. He's not sitting, I mean, this is, he lost second on the line at Baku. So he's, he knows heartbreak for a podium already in Formula One. Does, does stroll. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still a what might have been for them, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think, I think out of the three, over the kind of sprint to the end, he was the slowest driver. And I feel like he would have still been if he led from the first lap. So that's kind of why, in my head, I don't think he should feel too disappointed because I feel like it still would have been difficult to get yeah. the win. But, you oh, know, yeah. I accept the point that you're both making as well. Mm. Yeah. Who, who do we think, like, so how to Sainz and Gazi, would he both be cool, would you say, or was Gazi better than Sainz in the last part of the race, or Sainz and Gazi? I'd say Gasly a bit mm. better. He was in a worse um, car, and he still was able to yeah. hold off for 20 odd yeah. laps. And um, Sainz was able to close up, and we know it's hard to overtake. And we said, I mean, it is DRS trains all through Monza the whole day, it's been that. And we've seen that, and we know they're not able to turn up their engine modes anymore. But Science was able to close up just, but when Gazi needed to get that gap, he got that gap and he kept it there. And yeah. he's in an Alpha Tauri that, yeah, he, he's done bits in it. He's done really well this season, but Science qualified third in the grid, Gasly qualified 10th. And that was when we had the pure pace of those cars. And mm, yeah. that he was able to keep him there. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think they were both outstanding, both lived up to the pressure as they have done in the past and new, new position for both as we've talked about I mean, I feel, I'm happy Science kind of ignored his engineer he kept telling him you know to protect second place and not rush into stuff I'm glad he had his racing driver instincts and pushed on and you know Science himself couldn't have done much more he didn't lock up he didn't put he didn't over push which he could have easily done because when you're going for the first ever F1 win it, it draws you into do to into making a mistake but he, he kept his head as well and he you know he was very close to the win so it was an outstanding weekend from sites and and it yeah he, he's had some bad luck as well hasn't he with pit stops and stuff but at Monza yeah. he was he was really strong the season has ebbed and flowed for him he's looked like he's on for a good result and then something will snatch it from him and he had that. He's had that for basically his whole career. Has Carlos Sainz in Formula One, and like, the Ferrari car performance currently is a complete metaphor for that. Like he gets announced as a Ferrari driver, and you're like, brilliant. That's a really good step for his career. Oh wait, Ferrari haven't <laughs> built a very good car, and it's like, yes, oh no, yes, oh no. And this is like, yes, he's in the position for a win. Oh no, he's second. But yes, he's second. Oh, but he's second. It's like. Everything's just like a reach for science, but yeah, it's it's the mark of two fantastic drivers that they thrust into the position of fighting for the win, and it's where they're happiest. It's where they're at home, and that's racing drivers. Yeah, I'd also just say the average age of the top four. I don't know what it is exactly, but 
Like, yeah. <laughs> got Gasly signed, Gasly signed Stroll Norris. They're all young, kind of tw- early 20s. So, um, Science is the oldest know. by a mile at 26. Yeah. So, like, you know, that's just. If you know, if we if this is the next generation coming through to fight, then it will just be you know it's a great sign that there's so many young drivers around, um, you know, and some of the best young drivers weren't didn't even finish the race. So kind of to have this depth of talent coming through is is a really good sign for the sport. I think I think because um Verstappen, Science, and Gasly in Brazil was the youngest podium in F1. I think so. Yeah. But Stroll is about a year younger than Verstappen, so this is the youngest podium in Formula One. Or something we didn't think would happen again, I think, frankly. Personally. Well, Gasly's now older, isn't he? Than Stroll. Oh, God. Wait. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah they are. <laughs> older. Stroll, I mean, Stroll's 21, Norris is 20, Gasly's 24, I think you just said Science is 26. Mm. So that's about 23, mm. 22, 23 average age. Oh, that's probably pretty similar then, actually. Of course, we can't talk about the Italian Grand Prix without talking about Ferrari. And it wasn't exactly the greatest weekend for Ferrari, I think you could safely say, with a double retirement and not reaching Q3 for the first time since 1984. That's zero points in two races for Ferrari. Um, I don't know when the last time that happened for them was. I think if you're going to have to go quite a long way back in the statistics sack for that um sack. yeah the statistics sack i just made it up <laughs> well, i'll just get it out oh. now got it in the corner so just give me a moment oh okay Cheers. <laughs> actually i have got one i've got one from the statistics stack also known as the observer um that it was yesterday was the first uh time ferrari or it was oh, first time it was, they were in the top that, 10 it Monza. was Vettel. Vettel's qualifying was oh. the worst for a Ferrari at Monza since 1966. 66? Yeah. Wow. But it's only because the 1980 race was at Imola and, that, and like Ferrari were really bad in 1980, but luckily they didn't race at Monza that year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's credit to wow. whoever wrote the uh, Observer <laughs> writer. Yeah, it's just, it compounded for them this whole weekend. They the qualifying wasn't great, we can safely say. Um, we've already mentioned that. Leclerc 13th, Vettel 17th. Um, and then the race, Leclerc, the race was even worse, really. Leclerc, mm. at least in Spa, got a good start before he was overtaken. He didn't get a good start here. And Vettel then was dicing at the back with the Williams. And as you do, as you do if you're a Ferrari these days. And had brake fade, brake failure, basically, and managed to quite skillfully coast it to the directly into the box for Ferrari, which is something you wouldn't want to do with brake failure because you could wipe out your entire team when you can't stop. And he did a very good job at coasting sure it. Into- Vettel was tempted. <laughs> <laughs> we can go into the Ferrari Vettel relationship more if you want to, but I think we've dissected that quite a lot. But Leclerc was doing. It wasn't bad after the safety car ended before he slammed it into the wall at Parabolica. I think I can't remember exactly. He might have been like sixth or something. Yeah, he, he was one of the beneficiaries, wasn't he? Mm. I think, yeah, but the... I know he benefited from that. So he was in a he, decent position, but in the same way that like Latifi was in seventh <laughs> and, <laughs> and that kind of thing. 
Um, like if, if he had stayed in the race in the way it transpired, probably yeah. could have got a point if there wasn't the following red flag. But unfortunately, yeah, there true. was said red flag for the Him big himself. crash he had, which was a scary, scary crash. Red flag was the right decision by far. Yeah. He he got on. He was coming through Parabolico. He did the dirty F and cards ahead, but it just looked. Either he got onto the marbles or he got onto a, a little bit of a grating at the side of the track, but he wasn't going as wide as the cars were going in qualifying to their flying laps. And he just, the back just went and he caught it. And as he caught it, he was already on the gravel. So it was just straight into the, into the barrier at Parabolica, the hoarding going up onto the halo, basically got up and walked away fantastically, but it was a terrifying, terrifying crash mm. for Charles Leclerc. Yeah. yeah. And it could have been a bad crash for Vettel as well with the, with the break, so you know, thank goodness both drivers have come away from the weekend unscathed. But for Ferrari, though, that car, the low downforce package, looks like an absolute handful. Uh, I mean, I, I know Leclerc, I guess you can say it was a driver error, he was maybe a bit eager to make something on the restart, get get on the throttle a bit early out of, out of the last corner. Uh, but the Ferrari just looks Horrible. Even and the the rear wing they had it was tiny. I don't think I've ever seen a rear wing that small ever, just because of the straight line deficit. Obviously, but, that won't help yeah, DRS. Yeah, I thought they would be a bit better this weekend, but no, they were right with Alpha and Haas yet again. So it was just a disaster, disaster, disastrous weekend, and they've got two more Italian races to come, unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately, they do. Um, maybe they can return to the form they were in in Barcelona, that sort of 10th or 11th form at somewhere like Mugello or Imola. Um, but I think if you're a Ferrari fan, you can only hope for that. Mm. Adam, do you have anything to say on the Marinello team? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't... Maybe it's just me being harsh, but I don't really have much sympathy for them <laughs> being in this plight kind of after... I mean, for, for starters, I thought the Italian Grand Prix last year, Leclerc should have been given a penalty because of his defence on Hamilton. <laughs> and, and later, I think in this race, Albon got a penalty for kind of a similar um, similar defence, but also just the way... Albon's just brain that, fade. ...that they... Um, yeah, given that they cheated to get a more powerful engine and now <laughs> kind of it just feels like all of those um, chickens coming home to roost, really. Yeah, oh, I completely agree with that, Adam, actually, yeah, you know, thinking about it. I, I know you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's just such a disaster and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, like, like you said, they, in a way, they were lucky that they, get, they got to keep their wins, they got to keep their constructors' mm. points and money last year, and they're only having to pay for it now. But I think they've got away with it, really. And, you know, hopefully for them, they'll be... With the 2022 reset, they can get further up the grid after a couple of painful years. But yeah, I completely agree. I don't have too much sympathy, really. Yeah, it's unhealthy for the sport to have Ferrari doing badly. Obviously, they're the big name. They're the ticket that lots of people are drawn to. But I'm, but yeah, we've, we've, we've waxed lyrical about their failings, really. Um, There's a lot yeah. of talk about like maybe we should talk about this in more depth for in another podcast, but you know, Matteo Bonotto, should he be 
sacked? Should there be some changes at Ferrari within team personnel? Is it Bonotto's fault and stuff like that? What are your guys' thoughts on that? It's a hard one, that, I think. Um, there's no clear successor in the structure of the team there. That's why he's there. He's a technical director. That's from Richard Arriva Bennett's days, where it's kind of a secure position to lead, where it's like you've got a technical director and then you've got the heads in the technical side of it. There's not really like a deputy management leader. Um, other than him being a sort of technical director, racing director, basically. That's, that's Bonotto's role. And, and I think what's interesting about it is that he's going to be a, a hard man to replace. It's a poison chalice Ferrari. If you go in now, you, you're going to be expected to enact change. And I think, I, I don't know if the best thing for Ferrari, for Ferrari now is just to weather the storm and mm. just get through it. And, rather than messing around with whoever's in charge, we know that Bonotto's made a mistake and presumably by with all of his engine regulation and so on. But when Bonotto was appointed, he was appointed because he had succeeded with all of that engine regulation trickery, if you will. And it was allowed for two seasons. It was only in um, the off-season here that something was said about it. But if it, I don't know, if it was something really, really bad, they would have been disqualified. Mm. And Ferrari, you know, they, they had a resurgence in 18 and 19. And that's not forgotten for Bonotto. And yeah. I think John Elkin, who put it, had an article in the New York Times, he's the, I think he, he's, he's the CEO, I think. He's not the chairman. Yeah. That's Louis Camilleri, he's the chairman. John Elkin has said, um, has come out very, in, in a lot of support of Bonotto, I think mm. if he should be sacked, which I think it's just you know it's just messing around if he is sacked. Just let him go on with it. Yeah, I, I agree. If he if he personally. is, if Ferrari have got the backing of him for now. I mean, just let him oversee the 2022 regulation change. He's going to know that like the back of his hand because he's a technical director at heart, and he's going to know what he's doing with that. Don't bring someone else in to mess that up. Mm. I'm I I don't know too much about the specifics of Ferrari and the specific personnel there in kind of who who take over. But I think it it's it might be dangerous saying um I'll let him do the twenty twenty two regs because well basically is is he the right person to take those regulations because if they don't you know, yes you've you've got to weather this storm, but you know, who whoever's in charge will have a big um, bearing on where you come out of that storm on the other side. You look at McLaren and the people they've got, you know, Zach Brown, who's kind of helped oversee this transition. Um, so I don't know whether they would be better off bringing someone else in and maybe putting Binotto back to the just focusing on the technical side of it. Um, but I do, I kind of, I'm not sure where I'm, i don't know if he is the right person to kind of take you know take ferrari out of this slump but equally i don't know kind of who who would come in and be able to do that i think Bonotto gets i think Bonotto gets a lot of criticism and i think he gets too much because ultimately there was a power struggle wasn't there between the reaper <laughs> and Bonotto, and even vettel i think people say oh vettel had a better relationship with Arriva Benny, but I don't think he did, really. I think, if, if anything, he, he was in support of Bonotto becoming team principal, which is what happens. That's something 
I don't really get, uh, and I don't think Bonotto should be at fault for, for uh, you know, a strained relationship with Vettel because I think Vettel, like I said, was in, in support of Bonotto becoming team principal. In terms of the car, uh, so were they cheated in 2018 as well? Or was it just Well, there, there are pictures from testing of uh, when they had the screens up of like lots of smoke coming out, a bit like a new okay. Pope being elected. And right, so, they, they were doing controversial fuel burning in yeah. in 2018 as well, to my knowledge. So, so if it's 2018 as well, that can't really be put on Bonotto either. That should be more Arriva Benish, well, that, isn't it? That's put on his technical management. And that's, I think, yeah. how he won the power struggle to replace Arriva Benish was his technical yeah. knowledge made Ferrari a winning team. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm willing to give him a couple more seasons because... I just think Ferrari have had to rush to build a car knowing that, uh, sorry, with an engine that is, you know, pretty bad. So I don't think the 2020 car is a true reflection of where Ferrari will be in the next few years, I'd say. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that, Nigel. I think um, Bonotto is popular in the team. Mm. He's, he is popular in the team. He's popular with the drivers he's got Not going forward the next year. <laughs> He's not popular with fans because they want a scapegoat. That's it. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's the same we saw with Gasly last year. We've spoken a lot about him already. But with Gasly last year, everyone's like, get Gasly out, put Kvyat in or put Albon in, mostly Kvyat because he got a podium in Hockenheim. And we're going to get the same this week on Albon. It's, it's kill or be killed in Formula 1. And so people are out to get Bonotto because he's the one who's sacked Vettel. So people think he's the, the guy to blame and... Yeah, I mean, everyone in the team's going to have to take... The team's not doing well. And yes, he, the buck stops with him. But I think Bonotto's the guy who got them out of the, the really poor form they took from the regulations in 2014. To my, James Allison, you know, gave them a quick fix. Bonotto gave them a long fix, and, which was their 17, 18, 19 car. So I think Bonotto's a good guy to have for the next regulations. And if he doesn't do it, they, they brought it back over these regulations. Just get someone else then in 2023 because he can bring it back then. But he's got this, they've got a chance to do it. And I think keep Ferrari as good a place as you can. Let's get, let's get called a bit of a toxic area. Keep, keep, it, keep it as positive as you can. That's what Bonotto's tried to do. He's tried to open it up with the media. With, with <coughs> Riva Bene was very famously just like, I don't want to talk to anyone. Bonotto's been a bit more, been well, been a lot more open. They got Netflix in and everything. So, Woo. yeah, Netflix with with um, Ferrari this weekend. So that'd be one to watch um, in Drive to Five Series Three. Um, but yeah, Bonotto, I think rather than creating another power struggle and another person who's got to come in and sort of seal the deal for Ferrari, I mean, yeah, I think let it be organically. I think it is kind of being, being the head of Ferrari. It's a bit like being the you know head coach in Australian cricket, or you know the manager of the New Zealand rugby team or English football team. You know, it's kind of yeah. that feels like that high profile a job. And sometimes you get nice people in all of those jobs, but just aren't kind of cut out for it. Um, I, I, you know, I hope Ferrari can get back to kind of legally fighting do you <laughs> yeah or, well okay it's a good I, I hope someone can and you know ferrari uh one of the most important teams in f1 whether you yeah. like them or not um but you know it's just i don't know i don't 
I don't know how much faith I'd place in him to get to get back there, really. Sorry. Oh, no, that's fair enough. It's a valid opinion, Adam. Thank you. Yes. Um, <laughs> another controversial figure in terms of Formula One role after this race, you could say, would be Valtteri Bottas. Um, poor start. Lots and lots of wheel spin, presumably. Just and bad reaction times from the replay. He was just slower off the start. By the end of lap one, I think he was sixth. Valtteri Bottas yeah. in the conquering Mercedes. And that's where he stayed. In sixth. Until the pit stops. And then that was it. He finished in fourth, fifth even. Finished in fifth. I mean, it was... It's hard to say because he was complaining about the engine, wasn't he? And we mm. don't know if he had a problem. Was it overheated? Perhaps, you know, with the new engine modes, Mercedes had an overheated engine because it went too aggressive, perhaps. So perhaps that's not his fault. But as we saw with Hamilton coming through the field to only finish, what, I don't know, 12, 10 seconds behind, mm. that is pretty poor. There's no excuses for that, I think. And the Mercedes is probably the second clear of everyone else. So uh, to not overtake uh, the cars ahead and, and not even get you know close really is is a disastrous weekend for for Bottas. And he's he's having he's had a few rough weekends now. He started the season off well as he normally does, but he's. He's he's in a bit of trouble. I think he's lucky that he's already re-signed for next year. To yeah. be honest, yeah, I think in many ways the was it seventieth anniversary where he took pole. Yes. Um, yeah, that that kind of ended up feeling like a bit of a turning point in the race there because it feels like now it it kind of felt like he regained a bit of momentum. Then obviously after winning the first race. Um, but yeah, he's had, he just seems really down after the races. Now he seems to just not kind of be enjoying his racing. I'd kind of, the only thing I would say is kind of Lewis Hamilton is one of, if not the greatest F1 driver of all time, and Bottas isn't. And I kind of don't know how much kind of Lewis's drive today was one of those, you know, points where it makes a difference, where kind of, um, over one lap or whatever, kind of Bottas can be close to him. And he was, you know, close in qualifying, but it's just kind of these moments that set, you know, good drivers and legendary drivers apart. Yeah. And yeah, we've always talked about it lots of times with Racecraft. He, he really is, it's his big weakness, isn't it? It was like Hungary last year with another one where he kind of really struggled. Um, and yeah, it's just, you know, coming back at him again. But having said that, kind of, None, well, none of the traditional front runners were doing great. I mean, Verstappen was struggling to to make up places too, and he's not someone you'd say has poor racecraft. So mm. I don't know kind of how much there is to balance yeah. it versus just Hamilton's exceptional all round ability in racecraft. It is a bizarre one to look at. I mean, we, we expected Verstappen to probably not be able to quite be his normal self to, in terms of racing because just the the Red Bull around this track just isn't isn't quite there. So we expected that. But then when when Bottas got a poor start and then was nearly overtaken by Verstappen, 
later in, in the first stages of the, of the Grand Prix, then it was a bit of a shock to see that when you, if, if you go from the form book. But then later on into the race, you could kind of sort of see that it was really hard to follow these cars. Bottas would get into within six or seven tenths and then wouldn't be able to stay there at all. And he would lose the DRS, but then be able to try and mount another attack. But then it would just switch off his car working, it seemed. But with Lewis, when he was able to come through, he was able to... When he, when he was overtaking a car like Ocon or a car like Perez, when he was old on his tyres, they were old on their tyres. They were in similar situations coming through the field late on. He was able to then just get there, bam, move done. Uh, same with Kvyat when he went round the outside at Curva Grande. He put himself into a position coming out of turn two on the chicane to, to go for it and to actually get himself into a position to try the move. Bottas was, I don't know whether he was try, not trying anything unorthodox for the racing and trying to be too linear. And it, yeah. that didn't help him because mm. the car had the pace to close up a lot of the time. But then when he, he couldn't give it that extra something to get close, which some drivers could do today. Yeah, I mean, this Mercedes, we've talked about as one of the best cars of all time because it's so, it's so good. So it is surprising that Bottas couldn't overtake. And yes, you can argue the Mercedes does have problems following and in traffic. But when you got a car that good, you should have, you know, overtake at least one or two cars, you would think. And and Pouter was on the hard tyres, wasn't he? Which he and Bottas was on medium. Medians, so he had, yeah. yeah, so he even had that advantage there, but he, he couldn't do it. And I'm just trying to think at Williams what Bottas's racecraft was like, and I can't really remember. There were some stunners that I remember. Yeah. I remember Silverson 2014, where he went from 14th and finished second. And mm. a lot of that was through just round the outside at Stowe, down the inside at Stowe. I mean, it's one corner, but he was able to do it there. There are a few races he did do well at, but a few, and a few he would definitely go for it with. But it's, it's a hard one to compare if we're thinking mm. about it from a these cars perspective. Yeah, because the cars went wider in 2017. Yeah, they did by whatever it was, 20 centimetres. Yeah. And which is nearly a foot when you think about it. It's quite considerable. And they're longer now, they're heavier now. They're not, it's not an agile car to drive. It's a car that if you're going to go for an overtake, you need to commit and you need to, you know, breathe in and just shut your eyes and do it and rely on your complete instinct to get it through. And like, I don't think I got the impression today with Bottas, I don't know what, what you guys will think about this, but look, he let it get to him that he wasn't getting past. And then he lost the confidence a bit with it and then wasn't going for it. I don't know if you could say that's a thing that's been eating at him in the back of his mind, you think, but he seems like he's really low. Like the last time he was this low was when Hamilton won 11 races or 10 races in 2018 and he didn't win any. And that was just like the lowest of the low for Bottas, but it feels like he's still there now. And mm, yeah. I, I agree. I mean, he's um, won as many races as Gasly has this season. Um, you know, oh God. That's fact. But yeah, he's it's it's difficult. I'm, I'm, I mean, just on what you were saying before, I'm kind of not sure. I, I'm, I don't know whether I'd say his racecraft is kind of better than average. If I was kind of ranking the drivers, I think 
he might be in the kind of eight or something like that. Um, I think, but yeah, I'd, he's he he does seem low on confidence at the moment, and it it's got to be so difficult when you're kind of when you're in that position against Hamilton because he doesn't have many bad races at all, and even this, you know, he he didn't do anything wrong really you know it was his yeah. team but in terms of if you look at his performance through the race then it was another good race so there's not you know kind of pretty much every other driver on the grid can think you know he's he's going to have a bad race at some point or you know a few bad races and I'll be able to to you know get something from that or I just need to be in the position to capitalize then and Bottas just doesn't have that kind of to fall back on which must be really really tough Mm. He was just getting mugged at the start, though, wasn't he? By Norris around the outside at turn three, and uh, Stroll and Ricardo. Well, not Stroll, Ricardo was there as well. Verstappen you know, looked like he was going to overtake Bottas. If, if I don't know, problems. yeah, I, yeah. So I don't know how much they kind of followed on from each other, though. Like he was out of position well, um, um, from being overtaken by Norris, and then kind of just all separate overtakes. I thought. Well, um, so. At the start, science is going yeah, to the start. Yeah. Norris made an attack at the start um, and was on the outside, I think, going into turn one. He wasn't so even, he wasn't even alongside, though. He was like, Norris behind, was alongside. Norris was, was, was alongside going to turn one, I'm pretty sure. Because yeah, they went wheel to wheel. So Bottas got I a better turn exit. Three, turn four, sorry. Yeah. So at, at the yeah. Turn, two, turn two, then Bottas got a better exit into Curva Grande. Norris was able to slipstream, which is a classic move that anyone really, everyone can kind of do that. It slipstreamed, got alongside. But then basically went round the outside into the second chicane and then forced Bottas to then... He, he gave Bottas room on the exit, to be fair. But Bottas then, he was so focused on the exit there that he lost a bit of speed. Perez then came up the inside there, but wasn't able to get past. But Bottas then on his own went wide into Lesmo 2, which Perez then just drove past him. R- Ricardo got a much better exit of Lesmo 2, came up behind him, slipstreamed him and took him down the straight coming up into Ascari chicane. So that's then Hamilton P1, Sainz P2, Norris P3, Perez P4, Ricardo P5, Bottas P6. Two of those from a mistake by him. Yeah, mistakes. Three from a mistake by him. Norris was just a good move. Sainz was an ordinary start for Sainz, bad start for Bottas. So, yeah. I think it is just kind of maybe that instinctive, you know, we kind of last time at Spa, kind of the way the way he came off um, and kind of lifted following Hamilton, the way Verstappen did and Ricardo did behind kind of was a lot smoother. And that's why they got such a good run um, going down. Whereas Bossas's was just a bit clunky and kind of like, there was just kind of a split second more thinking about it. So he went on, he lifted too late and then for too long compared to, you know, what was the optimal and what the drivers behind him did. So I think sometimes it is, you know, it's obviously, Harsh for us to say, you know, so yeah. never it's having given a race formula crop, Ford, but you know, it it just feels like it's maybe that instinctive feel for it that is sometimes lacking there, um, which is kind of why, even though he kind of does have very fast one last pace and race pace, that he's just you know not able to go the extra step. I think. Yeah, I think that's basically what we've been all been saying i think that's unfortunately 
how how it how it goes. It seems to be. Um, Nigel, do you want to talk about engine modes? Uh, no, because I'm going to get really angry. <laughs> I don't know. No. Shall we talk about engine modes? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, Nigel, and we can have a nice chat about it. No, um, no, Nigel. It, what, what do you want to say on? Floor is yours, it, my boy. It's just, it's just so silly, isn't it? Why, why did they bring in these engine modes on a track which you can overtake at compared to the next tracks we got? Magello, Sochi is going to be even harder to overtake. And now everyone's running in the in the same mode, the one mode. You can't turn it up to attack. You can't do anything. To defend, so they're all just following each other, and it's just it's just silly, really. It, they've made the racing even more boring, is, is the only word because it was already quite hard, hard enough with the massive, ridiculous cars and the tyres that are more sensitive than something sensitive. Uh, yeah, nice bread. there we go, that's the one. Um, but but having these engine modes which did not. Uh, bring Mercedes back at all. That they were eight tenths clear in qualifying, which is massive on a track which only has eleven corners. It's just, just silly. And I think even though today was an in, was a great race and a fantastic result for F1, do not be surprised if the rest of the season is pretty dull because these engine modes are not are not helping us all. I think if if you look at the if you look at after the red flag to the finish, the amount of overtakes, especially if you take out Hamilton, who was a much faster driver overtaking much slower cars, and or the, a lot of his overtakes, and Raikkonen, who was a much slower driver getting overtaken by much faster cars. Like If you take out both of those, then I can't imagine there are many overtakes at all after the red flag restart, which kind of doesn't, especially at a track like Monza, where you should be getting more passes it doesn't really bode well you know especially for going to um Mugello next and possibly Imola you know tracks that people seem to think won't have as good overtakes and where there's less like parts of the track that you can overtake on I think it is you know it, it, it is worrying we'll have to wait and see how it turns out but off, off evidence of this weekend it didn't look great precisely and it's not for lack of gap mm. in that you look at I mean DRS trains are a thing where a kind of like a car DRS that can't overtake and then everyone's got DRS behind and that's that. So you can't get close because the car in front has got the, has got the, the boost that you want basically. Um, but there's no differentiation in how these cars have been uh, deploying their power, which um, yeah, we, you look at a spec series say, and these cars can, go really well that's because in a spec series they're not laced with downforce and drag and so on they've got they can run closer together which means that when they get into the slipstream they can pass so we've got an amalgamation of so many problems that this one just has added to rather than take away or stay the same it's it's added to the problems we've already got and it helps to show them and it helps to show its own were issues and it's not like we can look at these engine engine mode rulings even if they are to make it easier to to police which frankly is stupid don't don't put in technical regulations that you can't police you what i don't want to say idiots fia but yeah and 
and like don't do that so that's not going to go away we're not going to have new engines until what 2026 i think so we're not gonna have new regs coming out for that until 2022 2023 perhaps so this is here to stay for six years <laughs> this, this i really one. i hope not because the only good aspect i can see in terms of racing is that it makes the overtakes more pure well you, you, you're, oh, gonna, God, you're only go gonna away. see you're only gonna see three overtakes anyway Pure overtake, so and a pure overtake, and, just walk past somebody. and the only other, the only other positive might be that Red Bull, ironically, <laughs> have, uh, got have come out of it worse as we saw in Cobain. But I do think it's hard to tell because it was Monza. I think it's best to give it a few races. But if Red Bull have come out worse, then it will make the battle for third every race really interesting. That's the only positive. But in terms of racing, I wouldn't be surprised if we see even less overtaking than. They normally get an F1. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. That's our, our moan for the day. After we, we joined this podcast, screaming in delight, we've, we've finished it with a... <laughs> with a... With, a, with a, 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 a... An ordinary F1 fan moment, which is complaining about the F1 we absolutely loved today. And I think... The... the it's safe to say that the, the brilliant results that have been thrown up today have definitely saved Formula One for the most part. And we are, we are very happy with the result today. Can we all agree? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think it's, been, it's actually been a decent season. I don't know. I don't know whether that's mm. going too overboard. <laughs> Debatable. Like, yeah, I don't know. If, if you ignore the fact that Hamilton's racing away, and even that's kind of impressive, in its own right, then, you know, there is, there is parts of it that you like, you know, you've had several mm. unexpected podiums, obviously Gasly winning yeah. this and, you know, you've, I don't know, it's not been vintage or <laughs> kind of the season that we probably want, but there have been kind of a lot of good moments, I think. Uh, I think it's best to say at the end of the season, how could, the season's been yeah. maybe maybe in a couple of weeks we can do a mid-season review thing and discuss it now yeah oh man that's going to be a lot <laughs> of interesting conversation as usual as usual well said Nigel um, yeah we'll be back later in the week for the Tuscany Grand Prix Ferrari 1000 race <laughs> at Magella. I don't know the full title yet one sec I've got the F1 website here. At the Grand Prix is the name of the race. Formula One Pirelli Grand Premio della Toscana Ferrari 1000 2020. Preview that. episode later yeah. in the week. Um, <laughs> Can Gasly go back to back? <laughs> yes. Cool. That's Adam's prediction. Back to back Gasly wins in Formula One. You heard it here first. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a good day.